0: Okay. I'm so excited today. We are here with Shayla Benoit and she is going to tell us her cancer story and I don't know anything about it. So Shayla, would you take us back to the very beginning?
1: Yes. Oh, so, um, I would say about mid 2019, um, I started to just feel really exhausted. And um, I run my own business in New York City. So that's kind of par for the course. So I really didn't think m- much of it um, at the beginning. Um, but then I, I got a rash on my chest um, that it, it was constantly itching. It You could see the rash um, scratching so much that it was scabbing and bleeding. Um, and then the rest mm-hmm. of my body eventually started to to itch as well my hands my legs the bottoms of my feet but you couldn't see it the only thing that you could see was actually just on my chest so I um then in about November of 2019 I got this cough and I went to um Italy at the time and this is 2019 so you see where this is going (laughs) yeah Um so, so yeah, I got this cough, and I just assumed you know, oh, this is you know winter coming in, and i I split my time between um Florida, where I'm from and um and New York, so whenever the cold changes in New York, I'm not used to it still after all these years, and so i I just thought it was that um, and I went to a bunch of different doctors and I thought, oh, if I'll get a Z pack if I get this, whatever and so I ended up going to um my e n t um because I, one day I laid down and I felt my airway closing and I,
0: how long had you had the rash at this point? Uh,
1: probably on, and it kind of, it would come and go. So at that point in time, it was probably five or six months that it would, it would flare up for a couple of weeks and then it'd go away and then it would come back. And I was changing detergent and I was, I just thought, and then I would go to the dermatologist and just tell the dermatologist about the rash but if I would go to a PCP, I wouldn't mention the rash because I thought, oh, the dermatologist is covering that. So to my own fault, if you will, I wasn't giving everyone the full picture. I didn't tell the dermatologist, oh, I have a cough too, because I just thought that they weren't related at all. Wow. Um, okay. So I thought, you know, you go to a specialist, you know, for each each thing. I didn't think that they were related. So when I laid down and I felt my airway closing, I thought, do I have cancer for a split second? And that, because when I laid on my side, I could breathe again normally. And I thought you are being crazy. You're fine. I was 34 <laughs> years old oh at the gosh. time. I've never smoked. I've ne- I mean, I, I've never done drugs. I am a very healthy, active person. I have no family history. So, um, when I felt that happen, I thought, let me go to my ENT, forgetting that how they scope you is a different air different tube if you will so he scoped me and he said you know i'm not seeing anything there but you do have blood in your mucus which is not a great sign so let's give you steroids antibiotics just kind of flush you out and come back in two weeks so when i took the steroids immediately i started feeling better um and i thought oh thank god finally after going to all these doctors finally someone has an answer um But what I didn't know is that steroids are a part of cancer treatment. Um, So the second I stopped the steroids, the cough came right back. So when I went back to my ENT, he said, I can hear you coughing all the way down the hall. Um, Wow. So he's like, yeah, we, let's get a chest x-ray. Let's see what's going on. And so I was making my way back to my apartment. And before I got on the subway, I got a call immediately from my doctor and said, you need to go to the ER right now. Um, And he said, I think you have pneumonia. Um, but he, I, there was something in his voice that was just like, we can't wait for you to get into a pulmonologist, just just go to the ER right now.
0: So this was, he was looking at the results of your x-ray
1: of my, my chest. Um, yeah, my chest x-ray. Um, so I went immediately to the ER because at this point in time, the day before I went into the, I went to my doctor, I have a film production company, which means I carry a ton of equipment all the time. And I'm on a four floor walk up. And so the day before I went to the doctor, (laughs) I came in with my, I mean, I couldn't carry anything. I was dragging my bags on the ground and I was, I could not breathe. And I had to call a friend because I just knew I cannot make it up the stairs right now. Um, And so my friend carried my bags up the stairs and I literally crawled on my hands and knees up the stairs. So when he told me to go to the ER, I wasn't surprised, but I genuinely thought it was pneumonia. I just thought this is so bad. And my mom had called me and she said, are you going up a hill? Because everything was labored breathing like that. I said, I'm walking yeah. on a flat surface right now. And she was like, you have to go to the doctor. And I had been going to the doctor. Um, so anyway, I go to the ER. I ended up texting one of my friends that I worked with the day before and said, you know, I'm going for pneumonia. Um, I'm just going to get some IV antibiotics and they're going to send me on my way. And he said, well, let me come. And I was like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. He said, no, no one should be in the hospital by themselves. I'm coming. Right. Um, so when I was in the hospital, the doctor came in. I usually refer to her as female Doogie Howser because she looked 12. She was just like, <laughs> she was so I young. Love it. <laughs> she was so young and she came in and she asked my friend to leave. Um, before she asked my friend to leave, she said, you know, um, we just want to make sure that it's not a mass because it, basically my entire right lung was filled with fluid. And she said, You know, we just want to check this. Let's get a CT with contrast. So okay. I looked at my friend and we're like, It's not a mass. And he's, both of us were like, We know it's not a mass. So we get the chest sex or, or the CT rather. And um, they said it would come back in maybe an hour. And then like three hours later, we were still there. So when she came back in and she asked my friend to leave, she asked me, Do you have HIV? and i said no what yes yes very seriously like do you have hiv and i said no i don't have hiv and i i think she thought i was lying and she kept pushing it and i said i can promise you i do not have hiv why do you think i have hiv right. and she said yeah. because Good question. yeah cuz she was like what you're presenting right now on your scans and the everything else is normal and healthy we don't see someone this sick with pneumonia who's presenting healthy otherwise and i said well you can okay. take a blood test if you want to but i do not have hiv so then she goes away for a few hours comes back and has zero game face and i can tell she's about to tell me something terrible And she starts to ask my friend to leave and she's like actually do you want him to stay and i said yes you can tell me anything that that you want in front of him so then she said um well, you have cancer. So immediately I'm like, no, I don't because she just said <laughs> I had HIV. So I'm also a major Grey's, fan, <laughs> a Grey's Anatomy <laughs> fan. <laughs> and so she starts going on and telling me what kind of cancer it was. And I just am going, Meredith Grey would have gotten a biopsy. There's no way she knows what kind of cancer I have. Like, <laughs> And that oh is when God. she walked out of the room, that is the first thing I said to my friend was, I don't have cancer. Meredith Gray would have gotten a biopsy. There's no way she knows what I have.
0: <laughs> so, awesome.
1: And, and what ended up happening is she was, she was off on what, because of course you do need to have a biopsy to actually find out what, a, what kind of cancer you have. So to make it. What a, did
0: she think it was? She
1: thought it was thymic cancer. Um, okay. All right. And it, very, it's very rare. Yes. And, and it, it ended up being after biopsies and PET scans and all these things, um, primary mediastinal B-cell lymphoma. And how that translated for me was it ended up being a massive tumor inside my chest that was, they kept telling me it was bigger than a fist. Now that I've seen my PET scan, it almost took up my entire mediastinum. Um, it had collapsed my right lung. I had two and a half liters of fluid that had to be drained for my lung. It was pushing on. It was completely covering my heart. Um, so, and I could just feel from the way that everyone was speaking to me that this is not good. (laughs) You know, everyone was trying. You
0: must have been admitted, right? Yeah, immediately.
1: And then I, I, so they, and, and then it's New York and you're in the ER. And so there was no bet. And of course, this is January of 2020. So nobody knew what the bigger picture of what was actually great happening. Timing.
0: Great timing, Shayla. Excellent <laughs> timing on
1: everything to have a respiratory cancer during a respiratory global pandemic was a delight. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> oh, I like you already. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, so I ended up staying in the ER for three days because they didn't have a bed available for me in the hospital. So that was oh, also God. loads of fun. Um so I ended up staying in the hospital for two weeks and in that two weeks, I was diagnosed and went through my first round of chemo and my chemo was very intense. It's five days of 24 hour infusion. So basically getting plugged in Monday morning and getting unplugged Friday evening and just being hooked up that entire time. Um, And so, yeah, so I ended up staying in the hospital for about two weeks and while we were discussing what my options were, um, it, because again, this is before COVID, my doctor said, you're going to be extremely immunocompromised when we're finished with this chemo treatment. So you cannot ride right. the subway. You can't be around people. Um, and, and also I could barely breathe at this point in time. They had, they had to drain my lung. Um, even when they did drain my lung, all this gunk that had been living inside, um, was trying to. To come out. I mean, I was coughing it up. I was vomiting it up. It was just, it was, I was not in good shape.
0: Your body knew that that shit needed to get out. Exactly. So, um,
1: and then I I believe they call it vasovagal where your, your blood pressure just crashes. Um, so I was, I was not in shape to move and my family had flown up at this point in time. Um, and so my next question, yes, my, my friend, Tim is the one that came with me and he was a godsend. And I just, when we realized when she kept talking to me about cancer and said, the cancer team's coming and I'm starting to digest what's happening. I'm like, oh, I guess I really do have cancer. Um, so I asked him to call my parents because I was just like, I, I don't know how to say this to my, my, how do you say that? Oh you know? And right. so he yeah. called them and they flew up the next morning. Um, so we were coming up with a plan. So all this to say, we decided that the best thing to do was for me to go stay with my parents. Cause it's very apparent that I needed help. So I went mm-hmm. to go home for what I thought was six months, um, to do the rest of my back payment. to Florida, back to Florida. Yeah. Cause I, I bounced back okay. and forth, but yeah. we were just like, you know what, it's best for me to stay at home with my family have help, I'll do chemo, and then I'll come back. Bounce right back. What part of Florida? West Palm Beach. So I went home to Florida in February, mid-February of 2020. (laughs) We all know what happens next. (laughs) And so it went from I, I will say my community of family and friends just completely rallied around me. And I mean, there was a spreadsheet of who was going to be at my house and who was going to be taking me to appointments. And I mean, new sheets on my bed and food. And I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. So you go from yeah. this, like being very held and taken care of moment and then you go home and now no one can come with you for anything. Um, and I, I never knew how long I was going to be in the hospital because I was doing the five day infusion. I ended up getting, a my first round I did in the hospital in New York. And so I was in the hospital room hooked up to an IV when I came to Florida, especially because of COVID, they gave me a pump that I would carry around in a fanny pack, um, every day, but I would have to go back to the
0: port in your chest.
1: At first I had a pick line. Um, and then when I got to Florida, um, the center that I was in, it was very apparent that they did not know how to. They were not used to the pick lines, so they didn't know how to clean the pick lines. So me, with my BFA in musical theater, is uh, walking them through cleaning <laughs> my pick line. Um, so they were like, honestly, um, we recommend you getting a port. So I ended up yeah. getting a port, um, which honestly, I, I, other than the scar, I am glad that I got it. Gave me because I wasn't really allowed to use my arm, and this is my camera arm that I hold you know, all my equipment with. So, um, I switched to the port, but you have to go back every day to get your bag changed out, to get Benadryl, to get all the, you know, all these other IV antibiotics. And you just never knew how long you were going to be there, you know? So I had to drive myself and do all that every day. Um, and not only that, but you're dealing with chemo brain where you're just like forgetting words and getting confused and, normally to have an advocate there is you know paramount yeah. and so that's helpful. What you that's what you want and that's what you need um and yeah. the thing is i i do understand especially when we had no idea wh- how COVID was spreading how serious it was immunocompromised people i understand why these decisions were made um but then cancer patients and you know any other patient that's in the hospital we're given no resources. And I, again, I understand because it was just like everyone was at a loss at that point in time. So it's really no one's fault. Everyone's just trying to learn, but just to have to, someone asked me if I was an engineer because I would make spreadsheets and take notes and do all these things because I was just like, I, I don't understand what's happening and I'm the only one that can speak up for myself right now. Um, you know, and yeah, and I, I just kept thinking, what about the people who, who are too sick to do this? Or what about the people that have chemo brain so bad that they can't think of things and they can't come up with words or people that are just too afraid to speak up.
0: So after that first round of chemo, five days in New York, you moved to Florida for what you think is a temporary (laughs) situation what was the plan moving forward in terms of, you know, how many rounds like of chemo and, and were you, you know, what was the break in between? So kind of talk us through that.
1: So the plan was six rounds. Um, and cause when I said, okay, so we're starting chemo. Great. I also was just completely just like my mindset was, okay, let's just do this so I can go back to work. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm going to, I'm going to, kill chemo. I'm going to like make this happen. Um, and so I'm thinking that he's going to tell me, well, every three weeks you're going to go in for an hour. And then he's like, this is five full days. And I had never heard of anyone having that much chemo. Um, so, but he also told me because you have such an aggressive cancer, we have an aggressive form of chemo and that's what it's a very, it responds very well to this chemo. So that's what just kind of kept running through my brain of just like, okay, this is why I need to do this. So the plan was six months or, or six months, six rounds. So basically I would do the five days and then I would have about two and a half, three weeks in between to kind of recover. So okay. just the moment you're starting to feel like a human again is when you go back in.
0: <laughs> um, so six months, you were looking at six months of this. Yeah. And
1: the way that it was kind of explained to me was you're young, you're active, you're healthy. Other other than this big tumor in your chest, you're completely healthy. So they were like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be bouncing right back. You'll be right back to work. So in my head, I I just imagined at the end of six months that I was going to be back in New York filming Dancing because my degree is in musical theater, so I also perform. So singing, dancing, acting—I just thought I was going to be doing these things, and I imagined myself with hair, and I imagined all these things that were just not so realistic, not realistic at all. So even if COVID didn't happen, by the end of six rounds, I was wrecked. I mean, wrecked, yeah. and I was so nauseous throughout that I end up being on three types of steroids, um, and. Being on that many steroids caused me to gain forty pounds in six weeks. Um, so I just my face was like out out to here, and my stomach was distended and hard as a rock, and I could not oh, eat no. enough food. I was starving <laughs> all the time. Oh my God! I was, different
0: types of steroids. I was day? so
1: hungry all the time. Um, but I'm also was really conscious. I was trying not to eat any processed sugar. So I was trying to eat very clean, very, I was just trying to max my odds of whatever I could control. I was trying to. All
0: right, Shayla. So you go through six months of incredibly aggressive chemotherapy and you thought at the end you were going to be great, (laughs) but you were not. I was certainly not. (laughs) So tell us what you mean by that. Um, and you did mention you were, I can't even believe it. Three different kinds of steroids. You had gained 40 pounds. Um, you were always hungry. So kind of talk us through, you know, that the very end of this treatment plan and, and what was going on and how long were you going to be on steroids?
1: So the steroids I was, um, Every day when I got my infusion, I was on IV steroids and then I was on two different pill steroids, those weeks of chemo, just the weeks of chemo. Um, yeah, that's correct. Cause it's been a moment now. Um, so I was off the, the steroids once I finished treatment. Um, but I was on a bunch okay. of other medication to prevent shingles to, um, there was something else that, I mean, immu- just immunity stuff and all sorts of things preventing other things happening. The other big thing that was a really big issue for me was, um, my joints. I, my hips, my knees, my elbows were in such pain all the time, especially my hips. Just, just trying to walk was so painful. I would try to put, if there was a counter, i try to put weight on my hands to try to take weight off my hips. Um, oh. so I ended up ask, going to, um an orthopedic because I was like, this is too much. And he said, you know, there's just a ton of fluid in your, in your joints right now. So I ended up going to physical therapy, um, and an occupational therapist. Um, and they were, they were incredible and gave me just, and honestly, just having somebody, I had so many weird side effects. I was constantly peeing myself, which everybody kept saying, like, incontinence isn't a normal side effect from chemo. I'm like, well, I wasn't doing this before chemo. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I I was joking around. I was like, who's going to make me a spokesperson for Depends? Because I was literally wearing diapers. And then I also had oh, major issues yeah. with diarrhea. And I'm very open about these things because I find that this is the stuff that everyone's embarrassed to talk about. And then therefore... Yeah people don't know that, yes, this does happen. I kept thinking something else was terribly wrong with me. Cause I was like, why am I peeing and pooping myself? I would take a bite of food and be running to the bathroom. Um, and oh. it ended up taking two years for me to figure out after colonoscopy, endoscopy, all this changing my diet. I not drinking anything like only water. Um, I ended up having SIBO, which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, which they explained to me that the chemo can wipe all the good bacteria and then there's an overgrowth. So then the food just can't be digested and just bounces out. But it took me two years Mm -hmm. of basically shitting myself. So this is why I'm like, yes, we're going to talk about all these uncomfortable things because, because like people don't know. And then you think something else is terribly wrong with you, you know? Um, and then dealing with these awful side effects. So, so not only am I dealing with like the joint pain and, you know, the gaining all the weight and all these other things, but it's also the heart of COVID. And so I was not cleared to go anywhere. I, they told me I couldn't even get my own gas. So I would have to ask somebody to get gas for me or to go to the grocery store and have to wipe everything down every time I came back from the hospital or when someone went to get my gas, wipe the whole car down. Um, and so for two years, I basically lived at my parents' house in a bedroom, seeing only my immediate family and not seeing anyone else. So, um, That takes its toll as well. And then how are you going to get back to running a business? How am I going to get back to being able to carry equipment? And so for me, I just threw myself into recovery. So I was going to physical and occupational therapy three to four times a week. Um, I would take a walk every day. I ended up when school wasn't in session, I would put weights in my backpack to go up and down the bleachers because I live on a fourth floor walk up in New York. So I was like, I have to get used to being able to go upstairs and being able to carry weight. And so I really so just, smart. thank you. Well, and I also, I, everybody has their own way of coping with stuff. So many people sent me coloring books and things of that nature and God bless them Thank you. I appreciate all of you. Thank you. For me, if I was going to sit and color in a bedroom for two years, I was going to lose my mind. Yeah, I was. And it was also going to make me feel like I had no real agency over my life. Do you know what I mean? And just kind of like totally submitting to this. And so for me, I was like, well, I'm going to learn a new editing program that I've wanted to learn, but haven't had time. And I'm going to rebuild my body so that when I am allowed to come out of this, um, I'm physically ready to. Um, so that's basically what I did. And that's h- kind of how I, I got through that.
0: We able to move back to New York so um, sometime last year. So in,
1: in the beginning of 2022, I had had a friend who was subletting my apartment. Thank God. And Smart. she said, um, hey, I'm actually at a point where I'm going to move out now. Um, and I said, okay. And so it was kind of at a point too. It was a, she called me in about February of 2022. And so at that point in time, I said, you know, I think I'm at a point where I can start making some decisions in how to move forward with my life. So let's talk to my doctor, see where I'm at. And so he said, yeah, let's start getting you ready to come back. Let's start getting you ready to work and be around humans again. So the other thing is, you know, when you've kind of been told for two years that being around people can kill you essentially the idea of going from a bedroom in Florida to the subway in New York city was not my cup of tea. (laughs) It was just like,
0: Oh, this
1: is a bit much at first. Um, yeah. So I was like, I need to start doing something around here to kind of get used to being around humans. And so I ended up, um, I, I've worked at this theater called the Maltz Jupiter Theater, and they're an incredible place to work um, as an actor. But they were looking for a dresser in the costume department. And I thought, you know what? This will be a great way for me to get back in. Because of the the actors' union, everyone was required to test multiple times a week. Everyone was required to be vaccinated. That's right. So it was kind of the safest way for me to kind of get my toe back in. They all knew me, so they all knew the situation. I'm not on stage, so I don't have to worry about my body giving out or not. But it was also an opportunity because the, my first week back with working with humans and working in the real world was Tech Week, which if you're not familiar with Tech Week, Tech Week is where all the elements come together and it's they call them 10 out of 12. So it's 10 hours out of a 12-hour period that you're working. So it was like, oh, I guess we're just jumping right back in the deep end to see how this, how this goes. So I did that job, which was such a great way for me to kind of figure out my energy levels and figure out what I, how I needed to, I took naps a lot, you know, how am I going to be able to do this? So then in June of 2022, um, one of my other best friends, he drove me back up to New York. And so it was also just in time for my two year post chemo PET scan. So this was like a big PET scan of like, great, this is, could potentially be my last PET scan. I have felt great. I've been doing everything. So I go to get the PET scan and then they find a spot on my thyroid. And I was like, what? (laughs) This is not, not what I expected. This is also after insurance has denied the PET scan, deeming it experimental. So I've had to now bump, bump back the PET scan. Um I I don't know, I know it's different for everybody, but I have been told to go on a PET scan diet, which is like high protein, no sugar, um, no carbs. So I was on it for days extra because I had to keep rescheduling the PET scan because of insurance purposes. So I got a I after the PET scan came back, I got an ultrasound and my doctor was like, I'm sure it's fine out of a hundred people, 99 people are fine. So I get the ultrasound. The ultrasound is somewhat concerning. So then I go and get a biopsy and they were like, okay, well, it's probably going to take two to three weeks, but if we know you know, anything, we'll let you know as soon as we know. And then two days after the biopsy, I got the portal, which any cancer patient I'm sure knows the beauty and the terror of the portal because you find out everything quickly, but it's in Greek basically. But I, I it said positive malignancy was the first thing I saw. So I knew I had cancer again. So... I had papillary thyroid cancer.
0: Wait, you had a different kind of cancer? Yeah. So I just made the assumption that like like the lymphoma was back. And um
1: No, it was a completely oh different gosh. kind of cancer. Um and everybody kept telling me this is like a good cancer to have.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs>
1: Cause they were like, This isn't just an
0: overachiever. Uh, you I know, mean, I really assumption. am just trying
1: to just go the extra mile. Um so, yeah, so they, um, this was a surgery. The good news is because I had just had a PET scan the year before and it was clean. Um, they caught this super early. So it was very tiny. Yeah. Um, so they only had to take half my thyroid, um, which honestly freaked me out because I was just at a point where I was just like, take the whole thing. I'm not doing this again. Don't, you know, like I don't care. And so three different doctors that I very much trust said, um, You know, there's a ton of benefits to having your, half your thyroid. Um, So keep it. So I listened. So um, on September 30th of 2020, I got this cut open and half of it taken out. Um, And so then to go through recovery, everybody kept saying this is a walkaway surgery. I don't know if any surgery is a walkaway surgery. You know, it's, it's trauma to the body no matter what kind of surgery you have. But when you haven't fully recovered from your first cancer and then you jump into another surgery, I it, it was just so many things. Um, and I'm still, it, my speaking voice is much better. I can't really speak much louder than I'm speaking to you right now. Um, granted, it's only been four months and they did tell me that it's going to take um, at least six to eight months or something like that to get my voice back to normal. Um, I also am a singer. I can't I can give you a great B Arthur right now, but, um, but I cannot sing high. <laughs> so that's also a thing too. And all of this, I feel like, um, you know, as someone who is a performer and so very much in tune with my body, so much of this has been an identity, you know, crisis, if you will, of just like, who am I yeah. without these things? And it's part of what brings me joy and what I love to do. So how am I going to be able to do all of these things again? So, um, that's the long, what are you doing? Um, I, (laughs) I have done a lot of, um, they told me I could talk a lot and I really tried to limit my talking. when I say a lot, they said use conservative voice. So don't yell, um, don't go to places where, you know, rest, and honestly, because of COVID still, and because I'm still coming back from everything, I'm really just being very careful on how much I am going out to restaurants or things like that for work. I have to, but I always, um, I'm always wearing a mask. Um, But it's, uh, I am doing vocal exercises. One of my really good friends is um, a voice teacher. So she has given me a lot of really great um, exercises to do. I sometimes am really good about it. And then I take a break from it sometimes because when I can't do it, it's also just soul crushing and I've had a lot of soul crushing moments Um, so I'm also just trying to trust um, that it just is going to take time Uh, my friend Tim who was with me the first time came with me for the surgery the second time and I had said to him you know my voice is still not back to normal and he's like don't you remember them saying that it's going to take at least six months and I was like no
0: (laughs) I don't remember that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and to um, your point from earlier, that's why you need someone with you. But ex-
1: that is exactly why you need someone with you. So the long, that is the long and the short of it, of the crazy cancer journey. I've had two different um, cancers in the past three years. Um, and it is, but I'm alive. I'm here. I'm on the rebound. I go to my, what's crazy now is I have to go to two different doctors now for the two different Cancers I had, yeah. so I go for to my lymphoma oncologist next week, and then in a month I go and have my first thyroid ultrasound um, post surgery. So
0: it's been a ride. Now, there are no evidence of disease with the lymphoma, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay.
1: Everything, and that's what my doctor said. This is a good sign because my chest was completely clear. The before and after pictures of my my chest is insane. I mean, I it, I hadn't really yeah. seen it. In detail until when I had this two-year post-chemo PET scan and just to see this is what it looked like and this is what it looks like now is startling. And I am so blessed and grateful to be alive when I see how really bad it was in the beginning. Um, And I very much understand now why my chemo treatment plan was so intense. Um, And I'm so grateful to my New York doctors for saving my life essentially. Um, But it's been a wild ride of having to do this through the pandemic. And I just, I really feel for everybody who's had to go through any kind of health issue during this time, because it's just been, if you think cancer is hard to begin with, just (laughs) having to do this through a pandemic when you have little to no resources that you normally have. And these poor doctors are fried, you know, and they're going through their own trauma. So it's just, it's a collective trauma for everyone right now. Um, so I do understand that, but I just, I try to be very open and transparent because I just feel like if we talk about, you know, our symptoms and what we're mentally going through more, people feel less alone and feel less crazy and also realize that yeah, you know, it's just, um, so to me, it's just really important to speak to it. Yes.
0: What was your worst moment in all of it?
1: um, I don't know if it's a singular moment, but the worst thing for me was the fear. Um, And I really tried to not let the fear take over. Honestly, the fear wasn't really... I didn't have a ton of fear during the first super scary (laughs) cancer. Honestly, um, getting cancer a second time freaked me out so badly because I just thought, okay, I did it. I'm done. Paid my dues. Um, and so then to have the word, because, you know, no matter how much therapy or how much, whatever you do to try to make these appointments. Okay. You're always going to have some kind of anxiety and fear going into these follow-up appointments. So then to have the worst fear, realized. Um I also got a full genetic genetic panel done because I was just like okay. why is this happening again? And thank God it all came back normal. So I've now been told I've had bad luck cancer twice. Um so I don't really know what to make of that. Uh, it was also very frustrating for me because I mean, I've done every diet, exercise, whatever possible that anyone's told me to do to not have to go through this again. Um So I would just say the fear for me is, uh, was the worst thing for sure.
0: What was your best moment?
1: Um, there were a couple best moments and I would have to say it was the people in my life. Um, my sister arranged a end of chemo parade, um, because I was not allowed to see anyone, you know, and So the last day of chemo and (laughs) I'm feeling awful, obviously, it's my last day of chemo. And I'm like, I'm basically asleep. And my sister's like, can you come outside so we can take some pictures? And I was like, I don't really care about pictures. (laughs) I was like, I don't feel great. I don't look great. And my sister's like, will you please just come outside? When I walked outside, um, my sister had planned this parade that had a fire truck And like thirty plus cars and my friends and family, and they all decorated their cars with signs. And I'm a big Star Wars and boy bands of the '90s fan, Um, so they were playing in sync, Bye Bye Bye, and they were playing, you know, the (laughs) Imperial March from Star Wars. And it was just, oh, I love it. It was with all these epic, amazing signs, and they spray painted cars and balloons, and it was just like I get, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. And it was just like, it was such a beautiful. I was crying the whole time. It was such a beautiful, and I, you know, I went from feeling awful to then sitting in this chair and just seeing all your loved ones of just like, thank you all for being here. Um, and when I came home for my first round of chemo in New York, um, every, my entire community just completely rallied around me. And I think I was telling you this before that, you know, like I had new sheets on my bed and there were groceries in the, in the refrigerator and they had scheduled everyone to, so I always had someone with me. Um, and so I would have like a main caretaker each week, but then they would be relieved by, so that they had some time. Um,
0: and so to oh, just God, have, incredible. it was,
1: because I'm normally the one that's like planning everything. So to, I did not have to lift a finger and it was just things I hadn't even thought of that I might need were just at my house. Um, So, and I'm very grateful to my parents. I mean, they, I lived with them for, you know, as a grown adult for two years while I was going through all of this. And um, so for me, the best moments were, were in connection with other, especially because I had no connection for two years essentially you know and and to be I wasn't allowed to be touched for so long either so to be able to hug people was just like even still when somebody even just puts a hand on me it I there there's such an energy to that for me um so yeah I definitely think the community my family and my friends were the best part for me they really rallied for me in in big big ways oh gosh I love that
0: Shayla what's one thing you wish you had known at the very beginning. Ooh, um, <laughs> I think uh,
1: managing expectations. I I wish I would have known. That's kind of been the hardest thing for me. Because when people come say so to what you, do you mean by that? So for instance, everybody said to me, You're 34, you're gonna bounce right back. So I thought at the end of chemo I was I thought I would be completely I thought, you know what? I'll just plan an extra month i thought a month was so long to give myself to recover from this and then i'll be back to normal and even if covid hadn't happened there was no way i was getting back to work after a month of chemo i mean it right. it honestly took me at least at least a year to feel like a functioning human again um so i i kind of go back and forth with that because i do think that there's a power in hope and and positivity and um but for me, just managing expectations better. I just wish I kind of had yeah. known that.
0: If you could only do one thing to change healthcare in the U.S., what would it be and why?
1: So I'm kind of cheating this by giving you two answers by saying, yes, I believe everyone deserves good, affordable healthcare. And I also think a more realistic goal might be doing away with this approval process. I just do not understand mm-hmm. it. And it's, it's really frustrating. And I just don't know why we're making, we're making it so hard for cancer, for everyone, for people who are sick. I don't understand why we are making things so complicated for people who are sick and expecting them to have, you know, when I was locked in a room for two years, I had the time to make these phone calls and do all these things and fight insurance companies. Good point. But now that I'm trying to live my life again and work full time again, And I think they've been on this. It's like, I don't have the time to sit on the phone for hours to fight these bills that I'm not supposed to be charged for. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's very frustrating. And I don't, this is another thing. I, I just feel like we need to be transparent about because I think people look at numbers instead of people. And I think if we started looking at people, we could affect more change, you know, nationwide, globally. That's my hope at least.
0: Okay, Shayla, are you ready for the Thriver rapid fire question? I'm ready. Hit me. Beach, desert, or mountain? Beach, hands down. Beach boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Beatles. What is one word that best describes you? um, Strength, I would say. Before you die, what is the last song you want to hear?
1: Bye, 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 by NSYNC. (laughs) (laughs)
0: love it love it the last meal you want to eat i'd probably say sushi and the last person or people you want to see
1: uh my family for sure
0: and the last words you will speak i love you and aside from cancer you what's a resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers and then i want you to tell people how to get in touch with you
1: So, um, this is kind of specific for Florida patients, but, um, I found this really incredible place called the Sari Center and they're all about, um, holistic healing and helping people through treatment and post-treatment. So they offer therapy, which therapy was honestly such a game changer for me throughout this entire thing. I don't think I would be mildly sane at all had I not had therapy during this. Um, and it's cancer-based therapy. So it's a therapist that, Understands what you're going through, um, but they offer acupuncture and massage, and you know all sorts of holistic ways to help people through t- through treatment. Um, I'm so grateful for them. Um, I they're based in West Palm Beach, so if you look up the Sari Center, um, they were unbelievable. Could you send me that link? Yes, absolutely. They were really okay, wonderful.
0: So we'll mm-hmm. put that in the show notes. And how can people get in touch with you? Um, you can find me on Instagram. My name is Shayla Benoit,
1: S-H-A-Y-L-A, B as in boy, E-N-O-I-T. Um, and also my business is Shady Theatrics. Um, and that's on Instagram as well. So that's probably the best way to get in touch with me.
0: Okay, awesome. Shayla, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate you doing this.